Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. You know, we come to church, we gather together as a community of faith. The Bible calls us a family. He is our Father. We come together to see each other and to see him and encounter him. Every single Sunday, Holy Spirit is here, anointing is here, again, bringing us as one voice, worshipping him. And it's a strange dynamic. When we worship him, something happens to us. And really, that's what this week is about. This is the third Sunday in a series of a faith-filled year. And... Uh, and what a wonderful series it is. We, we start the year, every year, with something like this. And I think it's super important uh, to do this as a church, as just sons and daughters of the living God. And when I experience this kind of worship and when I'm moved in His presence, when I hear testimonies of God's activity, how can we not say God is alive? God is alive and well right here in Malmö, right here in Europe, right here on planet Earth. With all the chaos that is around us in the news every single day, we can say our God is alive. But our job right here on Earth, right here in Malmö, right here in Limham, is to make his name famous, to expand his kingdom, to be a part of his plan and purpose. Uh, for for this city and this region, and I I got to say I feel like there is so much anticipation in the heart of God for us this year, but also the next ten years. Can I get some fresh air in here? It's a little. Thank you, Mutz. Um, I I I feel like there's an anticipation. There's a. Oh, I just so want to show you what I see kind of posture that God has for us as a church. And on the Vision Gala, I, I want to share some of that that's on his heart, that's on my heart for this church over the next 10 years. And it's like I want to this week personally go, Lord, stretch me. I want to be repositioned to see what you see. It's not enough that I see for just this week, this month, this year. I want to know what you have for this decade. Your house, your church, your children right here. And so I'm very excited about these coming weeks and I hope you are engaged with that uh, in every sense of the word. And this Thursday, the, the prophetic night, I, I remember the first time I experienced that, just the sense that God sees me word is specific to me, it just captivated me, it just captures me. And so I just want to invite Ladea up, one of the great leaders in our church, her and her husband Adam are just an amazing couple, um, real sons and daughters of the house, they're just, just wonderful connect group leaders. Ladea writes the Bible studies for the connect groups, Adam takes care of the Club C3 and the youth, it's, they're just an amazing, wonderful couple and just ask Ladea to share a little bit about her experience with the prophetic night. Thank you. Good morning. 
I'm just going to keep it short. I'm not preaching today. Um, many of you know that for the last couple years, I've been going through a difficult situation at work. Uh, in a nutshell, the leadership was implementing and is implementing a framework that dictates the employee's worldview. Okay, so it's pretty serious. Um, and this framework makes it difficult, made it very difficult for anyone who deviated a little bit from this particular worldview, which I had, I had been vocal about. Um, so during the prophetic night last year, I think it was early February in the fasting week, and you know, fasting is just a way to kind of pray with your whole body, seek God with your whole body. You know, you're not actually flesh and a soul, you separately, your, your whole self is a soul. So fasting, I think when you deny yourself something, you're like, I'm just going to get in it with my whole self because I want to hear from God and seek God. So it was during that week of fasting uh, that we had the prophetic night, just like this year. And I went and Shetel had an image for me, which was a little bit, uh, I think you said, this is a little bit scary. <laughs> I don't normally think like this. Um, but it was me and someone struck me on the face, like hit my cheek pretty hard, really hard. Uh, and I wasn't phased by that strike. Um, I think he said I was just pretty, pretty cold staring down whoever it was that struck me. And whoever or whatever that thing was, after they struck me, kind of immediately backed up um, in kind of fear and, oh, what have I done? And that was it. And of course, this was in the middle of that really awful work situation. So as I was praying about that, and I wrote down in my notes that particular um, image that Shetel had for me. I'll lock my phone here. And I said, I took it to mean that I'm, I'm doing the right thing by standing against this particular formal dictation of worldview that was hostile to Christianity, and that I would continue to get hurt. Isn't that interesting? You know, we're not, God doesn't promise that we won't get hurt. We will, and that I would continue to get hurt. But that I could stand there without fear, just like Paul says in Philippians. You can face opposition without fear because of the living God who lives within me. That's, what, that's how God interpreted that image for me. Not because I'm so strong, um, but because of God who lives in me. So fast forward a few months later, the situation got a lot worse. Um, I had attacks, personal attacks on my character. Um, I was kind of grilled specifically about my Christian faith. Um, and so again, I was reminded of this image. And about that time, we had a visiting pastor in June who gave me or pointed me to a verse in Isaiah, Isaiah 54, 17, um, which says, No instrument forged against you will be allowed to hurt you. No voice raised to condemn you will successfully prosecute you. This is how it will be for servants of the Lord. I will vindicate them. So, you know, that kind of strengthened that image. And I just want to remind you that that's often how prophetic words work. Um, they get confirmed over and over again by what's already in the scripture, which is the primary way God speaks to us. And that definitely was my experience. Um, and I definitely use that, that image from Shetel and that verse in Isaiah and many other verses that were jumping out at me during that time. Just as evidence that, hey, God sees me, he sees my situation, he knows I'm struggling, and he's with me the whole time. So I would encourage you, whatever your situation is, if you're going through something, fast, seek God with your whole body, and show up on Prophetic Nights. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Wow.
Thank you, Ladea. Justin started this series, Faith-Filled Year, a great message, and I followed it up last week, focusing on a passage out of Ephesians 3 that Pastor Phil, the founder of C3, has asked us as a movement to focus on for this year. And we're going to focus on it as a church also through uh, the prophetic week. And let me just read it to you again. And, and I made the point um, with this passage out of Ephesians that Paul is praying this prayer over the Ephesian church. And I thought, how awesome would it be if Paul prayed it over our church? That if we took these words out of Scripture and made them contextually right now, this week, this year, and that we prayed these words, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the Creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from His glorious, unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength from His Spirit, and then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand all that God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep His love is. May you experience, C3 Church, the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete in all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Now, listen up. All glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we may ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and Jesus Christ through all generations. I just think that is a, such a, a significant prayer. There's a, there's a faith card here somewhere. When I think of that passage, he wants us to know his love so much. He goes, I need you to understand something. My love is about accomplishing infinitely more than we may think or ask. Susanna and I filled this out over the last several years. We found a card from last year with two out of the three fulfilled. One of them is the house we currently bought in the last six months. That house is so far beyond anything we could conceive or think or ask for. Can I ask you to stretch in your faith? Stretch beyond what you think is reasonable. Stretch beyond what is comfortable because it's uncomfortable to think ridiculous, faith-filled thoughts. But our God says again and again and again, He wants to do the impossible for us. He says it right there in verse 20. And I'm going to be praying this prayer all through next week and throughout this year over your family, over your marriages, over your finances, over your church. I think this is an awesome prayer to pray for this year. And so this week, as we move into the fasting week, tomorrow, 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 everybody, I'm standing there thinking, oh, it's tomorrow. Oh, dear, it's tomorrow. And I realized I have a relationship. We meet three times a day, and we often connect in between meetings. 
I have to neglect that relationship for a week. I hope I can mend it afterwards. I'm sure I can. I love that relationship. Sorry, sweetheart. It's very dear to my heart, this relationship. I get a lot of pleasure from this relationship. Jesus talks about it. Jesus put prayer first in everything he did. It's the one thing the disciples asked, unpack for us, Jesus. How should we pray? It's an interesting thought that the disciples were taught to put it first. Jesus did put it first. And so I thought I'd do a Google search on this statement, the first and most important thing. So I Googled the first and most important thing, point. And I got a quote, and it says this, and it's from Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think the first and most important thing is that you have a goal and a vision. So, oh, that's not bad, Arnold. Not bad at all. Pretty good. Top of the Google search list. Wow. That actually is quite a good statement because the Bible clearly talks about having a vision and then strategic goals. Counting the cost. Putting a plan in place. It really is something that we are going to talk about in the next couple of weeks. But Jesus talks about something a little different in Matthew 6, 31 to 33. It says... So don't worry about these things saying what we will eat and what we will drink and what we will wear. These things dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows what you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Seek first the most important thing. Seek first him and his kingdom. Seek first, make him priority. Because I've got to tell you, it says, so don't worry about these. Don't worry about your family. Don't worry about your work. Don't worry about your health and your financial life. Don't stop worrying, but seek Him first. And then all those things will come into order under that. And He says, don't be like the pagans. They worry about these things. But as children of God, Instead, turn it upside down and cast our cares on Him. So we're talking about this week, the fasting week, the prophetic night. It's important to recognize that Jesus talked about these things. When Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, it was a radical step that confronted John the Baptist. You should be baptizing me. Jesus got baptized. The Holy Spirit came upon him. God spoke, this is my son, he's awesome. And then he retreated into a time of 40 days of fasting and seeking God's presence and being in God's presence. After that period, his ministry of power and grace began. He challenged his disciples to do the same thing. And we see as we read through the book of Acts, we see again and again and again, they are fasting and seeking God. 
Paul and Barnabas, before they went out and started church planting, they sought God by fasting and seeking him. Jesus did it, and he taught it to his disciples. Right here on the Sermon of the Mount, in verse 6, 16 of Matthew. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they look like miserable, disheveled. That's not a word we use very often, disheveled. Uh, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that this is the only reward they will get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, put some aftershave on, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. The tone of his passage right there when he's giving the instructions, he's saying, when you fast. He says it twice in that passage, when you fast. And in verse 17, he says, but when you fast, it's implying something that is natural and normal as a disciple of Jesus Christ, that it's a spiritual discipline, he says, that we are naturally and normally to embrace. He recognizes that there's times and seasons in our year when we need to step aside and focus on Him and allow hunger to rise. We've got to allow hunger space. You see, we're responsible for the hunger that we have for God. I can pray for you. I can quote scriptures to you. But it's me that gets hungry for God. I'm the only one that can do that. And that's what it is. I believe we are seeing this week, we're going to see awakenings in people's lives. See, one of the things, the challenges that we have in Western, Western Christianity is that we don't have a paradigm, an understanding of spiritual fasting, biblical, the discipline of, of biblical of, uh, spiritual fasting. We just don't have that understanding. It's not a part of our world. And so it can be a challenge for us to step into that zone and benefit from us. I don't believe there's any of us here saying, I just refuse to do it. I'm not doing this, Quentin. I don't want to do this. I'm sorry. This is not how it's going to be for me this week. I don't believe there's anybody saying that, but I believe there are some people that have maybe tried it before. I believe there's some people that have heard about it. I believe there are some people that may be a little bit confused about how does this work for me? I don't see myself as a very spiritual person. It's like, it's like a very spiritual thing to do. I'm just, I just, I'm, I'm, I just love Jesus. I don't know. I just come to church and serve on the FICA team. This is for the shettles and super Christians. Sorry, I've gone against everything you just said. <laughs> I apologize. You get my point. We want to make this as accessible for everybody, wherever you are, whoever you are. To take one little step in this direction. To take one little step in a direction that's just going to open up a window for you. You know, people are often happy to hear messages about reading the Bible, about praying, about relationships and... You know, there's something that rings true in our hearts when we hear about gathering as a community of faith and the discipline of coming to church every Sunday. We're okay 
recognizing that there's people that are just so generous that give to this community of faith with their tithes and their offerings. We recognize that there is an element of discipline to our faith. But when it comes to fasting, I want to challenge you this week. Take one step if you've not taken that step. Take two steps if you took one step last year. Take three steps if you took two steps last year. But to make it clear, this is no religious requirement in this church. This is not a legalistic standard or bar that needs to be reached by anybody. There is no obligation. We just create an opportunity. This is an invitation. I don't know your circumstances and your situation. That's your choice. But we do warmly invite you to be a part of this encounter. So what we're talking about is something that Jesus talked about. It's something that he challenged his disciples about and the early church implemented. And so I want to just give you some tools today. I want to take just the last these last minutes and give you some tools, some knowledge about fasting. Can I encourage you to read the email that I sent you? That there's, there's more helpful pointers and may give you fuller understanding. But let me just start off by giving you some points about what fasting is not before I give you points on what fasting is. Is that all right? So what fasting isn't? Firstly, fasting is not a diet. I think that word came out of my mouth in the last couple of weeks. Because I could shed a few kilos. Did that work? Did that work? Fasting is not a, the biblical fasting is not a diet. Here's the difference. If you're going to do a fast for your health, it's all about you. This is not about you. It's about him. Secondly, fasting is not a hunger strike. It is not a Christian hunger strike to try to manipulate God. God, I'm not going to eat until you do this. I'm, I'm warning you. Not a thing. It'll be your fault. It is not a hunger strike. Fasting is not a punishment. You naughty, naughty Christian. You need to fast. It's not a punishment. It doesn't please God that you're uncomfortable and challenged. What pleases God is that you want to position your heart to respond to His. So, let's take small steps together. Let's make sure we're at least taking some sort of direction in His direction. So, it's not a diet, it's not a hunger strike or punishment, and it's not a religious merit. But this is what fasting is, and some of these points have been said already. It's a personal invitation to position to the position of putting God first. I'm looking I'm looking for a personally, I'm looking for a freshness in my hunger. That as I step aside and with my whole being, focus on Him. I want to hear Him. I want to be close to Him. 
I want to walk in the Garden of Eden with him because it's him. That may sound very deep and spiritual, but I know for every single one of you, if I sat down personally with you and asked you, would you want more of God, you would all say yes. And to recognize that there's so much more that he has for you personally, intimately, tailored for you in this moment to experience. There's so much more of his love. There's so much more of his presence for you. There's so much more of his mercy. There's so much more of his grace. There's so much more of his power. There's so much more of his freedom. There's so much more of his joy that surpasses surpasses understanding. There's so much more of confidence, tailor-made, packaged, just for you. And I've mentioned hunger already, but fasting is a sacrifice that brings a reward. And let's, let's be honest, fasting for most of us, not for everybody, but for most of us, is a challenge. It's difficult. It's, it, it is difficult because we have a pattern and a routine in our day that our body is used to. It is difficult and a challenge. We have arguments in our heads. Why am I doing this? It's a waste of time. We have debates in our thought life. We start watching those cooking shows on Netflix. Don't do that. It's a mistake. It will not help you in your attitude. As you grow tired into the evening, you become vulnerable to the kitchen and that fridge, hello, old friend, and you open it up and rekindle that relationship again. It's a challenge. So for me, uh, working in an industry that requires some, quite a lot of physical energy, I'll be fasting dinner time in the evening. And I'll be physically removing myself from the kitchen at that time, going into a different room and being with the Lord. I will read scripture. I'll read Paul's prayer to the Ephesians church over us and meditate on each different phase of it. I'll be sending out each, each day a different element to focus on from your family to your city to all, all these five points. For some of you, what is it for you? What's that one step? What's, how am I going to get you across that line and engage with God a little bit this week? Is it, is it that during your lunch break, instead of sitting in the Fika room having your lunch with your colleagues, you just go back into your car for 20 minutes and just open up the Bible and just thank Him? Thank Him for your family. Thank Him for the job that you have. Because the Bible says the job has been given by God. Do you know how many of us know what it's like not to have work? It's horrible. And that he's given us the ability to work and earn money for our families. There's so much to thank him for, to thank him for your church, for the city that he's placed you in. Maybe it's your kids are sick and your, your spouse is flying somewhere around the world and you're struggling to, to hold it together. Maybe it's just quickly, once the kids are in bed and closing the door and just going, God, help. I need you today. I want to feel you. I want to, I want to know you more. I know you're there. What is it for you? What are you going to fast? Can I encourage you to make a decision in the next few minutes? What are you going to fast? 
When are you going to fast? Is it the morning? I'm going to get up. I'm going to get up 20 minutes earlier. Just to increase that time with God before I start the day. What are you going to do? Make a plan. Let me just go through a few few pointers before we finish up. But actually, before I do that, I'm going to get Shettle to come up because I really respect this guy and his experience encounter with God. And I want you to glean something from his experience now that I've given you mine. Thank you. Yeah, I think for, for me, it's the, the imp- I'm thinking about it, what happened during a, a time of fasting. And obviously, the, the challenges of it and the frustrations that could come. But I like what Ladea says. Like, it's like you pray with your entire body. It's like you take everything you are and just position it in, bef- before God. And that's how, for me, it's, it's, it's like I'm more aware of the things that he's saying to me. It's like what he says to me or what I read or what I, it's, it's, it fills me in a different way. It's almost like I was talking to someone in the back of the church, like here, and they were saying instructions or telling me stuff. I would hear what they were saying and I would be able to communicate. But it's almost like that person comes front and kind of puts his arm around me and just kind of say the things to me up front. That's a little bit how it feels like when I've, I've, it's almost like I, I get a little bit more aware of what he's saying. And it kind of, so like I'm looking at him in a near way. And it's, and for me, it's never about the amount. I don't count the how much did I pray or what did I, uh, it's just, I could go days and just have that quiet sense of, um, I'm seeking God, and then suddenly there w- there might be one word, there might be something. It might be as simple as God is speaking, like I, I really love you. And I could hear that before in the back. I could relate to it, but it's like in this day, He's kind of whispering to me, and it kind of makes me more aware of the fact that He actually loves me. Or if He says. I want, if, if I feel like there's something I want to do, there's almost like a calling or something, he's whispering, like, this is what I want you to do, and I have this anointing for you. It's just like he's saying it in a, I'm more aware of it. It's like he's saying it to my spirit and my soul in a different way. And I feel like it's closer. Uh, it's hard to explain, but that's how it feels like. And uh, it might be like seeds that had been sown into my life before, things that I God may have spoken things that I've dreamt about, that I've thrown away, but maybe become afraid of doing it, or maybe I've just been too busy. It's almost, it starts popping up again. It's kind of, the noise is quieter, and then it starts to kind of pop up again. Um, so for me, it actually, the, the, it become more quieter in <laughs> the latest year. Maybe I'm becoming more quieter, I don't know. But it's, I feel like it's, just a positioning. Uh, I'm I'm able to at work to just I I don't have to make a big point of not eating with my colleagues, so I can just kind of take a little walk or something, and no one would make a point out of it because we don't do that together. So, just those moments, and that might be moments where I'm just walking, just thinking I'm in God's presence right now. Maybe I'm not 
praying that much. Maybe I'm not speak a lot of things. I just kind of, I am hungry, and I feel, oh, that's the reason. Okay, it's because I need, I want to seek you, God, and that's just out of that quietness. So for me, it's almost like if God speaks simple things, remind me of things. It's just I hear it in a different way. It's closer in a way. It's it it affects me in a more deeper way. I don't know if it makes sense. It's difficult to explain, but that's like someone was whispering instead of shouting from afar. Yes. Great. Thank you, Shetel. I mean, I, I could get many people up here to, to share their experience, and they would be all similar but yet different. And I do know this. It takes me about three days. The first three days for me is the hard zone. Then after that, something just gets easier. Something shifts. So can I encourage you to persevere? And just get past that difficult zone because it will click in. There'll be something that will shift in your spirit and your body, and you'll find the ease of it coming into place. If you if you um, forget that you're fasting and you have a meal, please no condemnation. Get back on the horse. Keep going. Okay, is that all right? Are we going to be able to do this? I think so. Let's all stand up. Let's finish up. Thank you, everybody, for helping. For Ladea and Shetel and the worship team, brilliant, absolutely brilliant worship. Let's just let's just pray a second and uh, Lord, you did it. You taught the disciples, and they did it. The early church implemented it as a part of their their growth and strategy to seek ye first. In all things, the first and most important thing at the start of this year, at the start of this decade, that how can I go to a place of faith if I haven't been in your presence? How can I see what you see if I haven't been before you? And so, Lord, with all the different various ways that we're going to do this, Lord, we just ask that you would make your presence felt in new ways for every single one of us, in Jesus' mighty name. And we commit our faith cards to you. We take them home. We're going to write on them and commit it to you. We ask for a gift of faith in Jesus' name over every person in this room. We ask for a gift of faith. Come, Holy Spirit, a gift of faith in Jesus' mighty name. For family, a gift of faith for finances, a gift of faith for me personally and my dreams in my heart, Lord a gift of faith for our church in this season, in Jesus' mighty name. We commit all this to you. We love you. We're excited about the coming weeks, Lord. Amen.